Welcome to How to Hochschule, our audio guide about tackling life and work at Rheinwall, University of Applied Sciences, one of the most international universities in Germany. So grab a cup of iced coffee, put on your comfy headphones and join us as we explore the world of Hochschule Rheinwall. The tropical greenhouse in at the University of Applied Science, Rheinwall, and we're gonna have a little tour about the greenhouse today. This is actually the biggest greenhouse in all of Germany, out of all applied science universities. So the government put a lot of money into this, invested a lot of money, and here we have the ability of breeding and growing tropical plants in our tropical chamber. But we also have the opportunity around the greenhouse to grow domestic plants or plants that do not require a tropical climate to grow. So basically that's what we do. We have bees here as well. The university produces its own honey, but we're not allowed to sell it. We give it away to people that work here. And it's also home to a lot of student projects that people did before in the past years and I'm sure for a lot of amazing projects to come. We can go this way. Yeah. Past the Mensa here. So on the left you see the, we call it like the living buffet. What we call here on the left. Berries and we grew strawberries here. Over there we have some corn. And then in the left corner you will see pepper or chili which was the plant of the year in 2022 each year we pick a new plant of the year and then we cultivate that like several different varieties we start in the chambers of the greenhouse where we can control the climate and the temperature and the rate of humidity and once they're strong and healthy we put them out right here in this living buffet garden that is also guarded fenced right because of rabbits they also like our living buffet <laughs> yeah that's basically what we do here we have all different kinds of varieties of plants that you can eat jordan freeman is one of many shks meaning studentische hilfskraft in english student assistants who work for the university in his case for the greenhouse it is one of the jobs you can take on your time as a student here we have student workers like me that work here and garden. We have our head gardener, Franz Josef Kunig. And sometimes also when Professor Dr. Gebauer does his lectures, after that he's notorious for giving you a tour of the garden and then you also are asked to remove some unwanted weeds here and there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, how, that's usually how it goes, yes. All right. So... We have a lot of school classes coming here, especially from elementary school. Yeah. And they really enjoy this part of the garden, right? Because it's something that you can do and you can feel. You always see a lot of smiles on the faces of children when they are allowed to look at how bananas grow and all that type of fun stuff that you usually don't see. Because I think nowadays, kids from my generation, they just... Most of them walk into the grocery store and think the bananas just spawns in the grocery store, but they don't know how it works. Yeah. 
right? That is something that we, have a, as a society, I think, have to work for so that we also manage to produce less food waste in order for us to respect it so that somebody knows, oh, into this banana, somebody put a lot of hours of work into it. Why isn't there something called a free lunch? <laughs> well... Uh, the idea behind that is that you don't get anything for free. Dr. Tsunayarana is a research associate at Rheinwald University. You always have to have some sort of opportunity cost associated to it. Why? Because the resources are limited and the resources have to be divided between people or between things or between circumstances as well. In addition to her work at the Hochschule Rheinwald, Dr. Rana completed her PhD in Development Economics at Rabond University in the Netherlands, where she is now a lecturer. If Even if you are having a free lunch, it means someone else is paying for it. And it's not really free in that sense. And for you, having that free lunch has an opportunity cost of some other sort. So, for example, you may might have gone to have that free lunch, if I take this example. But in that time frame, something you're missing, you go for your free lunch. And let's say your work hours or your, jo your work piles up or something. So that free lunch eventually has this opportunity cost that you are not able to work Or it could be that for that free lunch, you are missing some friend's birthday party or something where you had to buy a gift or whatever. So you have an opportunity cost associated to it always. So it's never free in the freest sense. But there is always something that you would have to give up to get that free thing. Very well explained. <laughs> And you said before that that was like the first idea that stuck with you, right? Yes, I really liked economics. So in school, I had studied physics, chemistry, biology and mathematics until my 10th grade. I liked chemistry and physics as well. But then I took one elective of economics. And I realized that yeah, this helps me understand my everyday life a lot better. The first sentence I remember that the teacher said was, there is no such thing as a free lunch. That was the first statement. And that's a very common statement used in economics. And I thought to myself, no, there is. You can ask a friend and you get your free lunch. And then she started going into details of that, of how there are different resources and resources are limited. You have some opportunity costs. You give up this to get that and so on and so forth. And I could relate to all of those things very easily in my everyday life as well. We can hear there's grapes here. If you want to, you can just take one oh, yeah. and try it. So what you will find is, you tell me what you, what you think. I'll get one too. They taste different. They taste much different. Yeah, so, they're not so sweet, but they're quite nice. So I think this one, we have two types of grapes here. We have the European grape and the American grape. This one all the way in the back there yeah. of the garden is the European grape, and this is the American grape. I always thought that Mm. I always thought that the skin of these grapes here is much thicker. It is, yeah. Much thicker. I would agree, yeah. But also nicer sweetness compared to the grapes that you buy in the grocery store. It's definitely But these are different. also a little smaller. 
I wish we would have enough grapes to produce our own wine, but so far I could not convince any of the staff here <laughs> to to produce our own wine. But maybe who comes if there's anybody coming that knows a lot about wine, then I'm sure that we could do something about that, right? Yeah. Here on the left, we have our, we call it year-round garden. In my second semester, last semester, there's a project for agribusiness students where they have to, they, we basically get this seed bed and we have to take care of it. We get a list of six plants that we have to grow in a group. So most groups are about three people big. That's it. And so, for example, I grew garlic, I had basil, I had potatoes, which turned out very nice. I had three different potatoes, and that was awesome. It was like digging in dirt for Christmas presents. Like, you were digging, and then, oh, wait, there's more? There's more? Yeah. And yeah, it actually was a very nice harvest with big potatoes, better than I thought it would be. But in this world of rapid change and global opportunities, finding the right job can be as challenging as it is exciting. That's why this month's episode, we are bringing in a range of experts to share their experiences, insights and advice to help you find not just a job, but the one that truly matches your career goals and passions. We'll be exploring stories from our very own Hochschule Rheinwald community, People who have successfully walked this path and are eager to share their wisdom with you. From expert advice to heartwarming stories, we hope that by the end of this episode you will feel more confident and ready to take the next big step in your career. Lesson number one, try to find out about yourself. I am basically the career service of the Faculty of Society and Economics. One of the best experts on finding a job here at the university is Imke Hans. While other students may see me as well at university-wide things like, for example, the scholarship event that we have, or do I want to have a master or not, there are sometimes central events organized by the Student Advisory Service that I also do something for, hold a lecture for or something. But generally, I'm working for the Faculty of Society and Economics, and I am advising the students here on careers issues. Imkans is such an expert on the subject of finding a job because of a special moment that happened to her when she was just starting out on the job market. I knew I wanted to study, but I wasn't quite sure what to study. And I started off with German and philosophy, two subjects that have interested me the most, And realized, I think it was three weeks into my study, I realized that I would never finish the degree in philosophy. To me, it was a different type of philosophy than I was used to at school. And it was so theoretical and it required so much, I would say, self-study rather than discussions that I already knew I was not going to finish that. So I took a year to try out different other subjects And ended up with German and English because I love to read, I love languages, I love the communication. And Osnabrück is a university where, at least when I was there, a lot of students study to actually become teachers. So we're very few people just studying a subject-related master. Most of us were studying to become teachers. And it was actually very nice studying there, I have to say that. I'm still a fan of that city. Nice size, beautiful castle, a lot of things to do, so... Maybe it becomes obvious that I tried out many things other than studying as well. And the thought of what I was going to do with it after my studies never even crossed my mind. I took up a position as a language teacher and I did that for one and a half years. And then there were some 
issues. So all of us teachers or most of us teachers left the position and I was hanging there and I needed to earn money pretty quickly. So the easiest job that I could get, or rather the ones that were searching the most, I wouldn't say it was an easy job, but the thing is they were searching so much that it was quite easy to get into a call center position. So I went around the corner and I actually had a test and had a trial and I went into this huge hall where people were working for, I'm not going to say the name, but for a huge telecommunication company. And their job was to sell telephone contracts and to call the people who just canceled their contract and make them a good offer, something like this. And I went into this room and I was actually really happy I got rid of the other job. And I remember that this day I was so happy to find this job because it was so out of money, turned into one of the worst days of my life, honestly. There are different kinds of people from different university parties. And I'd always assumed that they had made it. I didn't really care where I was going to go, but I'd always thought, I know that they're safe. And they were sitting there. And it was not just one or two people. There were like 15, 20 people sitting there that I'd studied with who were supposed to have had a job. And that to me was really, it was shocking and a waking up moment because I thought, I haven't studied for this long to then go to a call center. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a call center job. I don't mean that. But you don't study for years. And back then, it was at least four and a half years. You know, you don't try to do cool internships and to try yourself out in different jobs to go to a call center, which you could have done from the beginning onwards. I thought, well, this can't be my perspective. After all of those years of work and student life, this can't be the perspective I have sitting here in a call center. And that made me realize that you have to prepare for what you want to do afterwards. That is not a nice prospect. And to me, it wasn't either. I stayed there for a couple of months and I learned a lot in this call center. I don't regret being there, but it was not a perspective for after my studies. Yeah. Did you talk with your former co-students? I did. What might have been the reason why you all ended up in, in this call center? The reason why they ended up not being in the job they wanted to were twofold. Some of them were teachers. They were studying to become teachers and they... I had severe problems going through that teacher's training. So some of them were dropping out and trying for other ways. Some of them were dropping out and waiting to get to a different school maybe or a different circle of people to get through the same training again. And others had just not found a job. They'd simply not found a different job. And one has to say that the university at that point of time, I'm not sure how it is today, but at that point of time didn't offer any services with regards to careers at all. On the contrary, I would say that all of the professors, would, this is understandable because most of the professors in the German university system, and I'm not talking about universities of applied sciences, I'm talking about normal universities or full universities, and I'm not quite know how to call them in English. They have gone through the university system and they have stayed within the system because they need to graduate, then they need to write their PhD, they need to write a habilitation, teach, and become a professor. So they've never left the university. And I think most of the teachers or professors that we had, they were really convinced that they were educating students to become university professors. Now, logic dictates that this is not possible. I don't even know. We had maybe, I don't know, let's say we had 10 professors and every year we were like 70 students. So we're not all becoming teachers or professors. It, that's impossible. And don't, 
I'm not sure that's the correct ratio, but I don't think anyone ever thought of that. And I honestly also think that certain perspectives, as I did not belong to literary science, for example, I don't want to say they were kept from us, but it was something that was not drawn into the concept of teaching. So while we were looking at different perspectives on how to analyze literature, there was nothing ever that had to do with business administration or with how to use knowledge. It was more of the complete development of your personality and knowledge with regards to the subject. But that sort of negated that there is a perspective out there that will also ask you after your studies, so what are you good at? How, what can you use it for? How can I use you as an employee? And as there was no career service or anything else, that question was never asked. And I could have asked my question myself, but I don't think any of us really did. So then you've got a fully developed personality and you know a lot about your subjects. And then you get your graduation certificate And then there comes nothing. Um, there was still the generation where there came a lot of internships. But after that, it was very, very difficult for a lot of the people to actually get into a job. Very difficult. Because they didn't know how to sell themselves. Meaning how to tell people what their strengths are. How they can use them, these strengths, and what they can use them for. So they didn't know how to communicate that. They sometimes even didn't know themselves. And without net knowledge, it is very difficult to get into a position because you need to be able to explain to somebody else why they should hire you and not the, I don't know how many other million people out there who would like to be hired. If you can't do that, it's going to be very difficult. And it was even more difficult back then because the job market was a bit more difficult as well. And that's how they ended up in a call center. It was a good option to earn money, maybe to earn money for a year or two and some stayed. And how did this experience fit into what you're doing right now here in Rheinwald? It fit in actually in, in many ways. Now, as I am a careers consultant and I try to help people to do exactly that, to bring in the perspective of what do I want to do afterwards. All the students today are much more aware that there is a world outside. Maybe it's because we're at the University of Applied Sciences, where people generally have had work experience when they become professors. That might be the case. But generally, I think students are a lot more aware. Still, uh, they're not always aware of what their strengths are, what they can actually do with their position. Or rather, that, honestly speaking, very often, I don't think that's the question. The question is, what do I want to do with what I've got? And a lot of students don't dare to ask their question. And it's sometimes a long and not that easy process to find out. This is what I'm trying to help with, because I think... I don't want our students to, you may not have the dream position after your studies, but I don't want anyone to feel that they're not useful or they don't have a place or they need to take any job just because they need a job. That's not the case. We have really well-educated students here and I want them to see their strength and I want them to be able to tell other people where they want to go. And this may sound tacky, but to dare to dream. And this is really important, to develop your goals. And it's not about necessarily getting a career where you're going upwards, where the end is going to be the CEO of an organization. But career, to me, is a life decision that we make. So it can be 
upwards, if you want to call that upwards, downwards, if you want to call that downwards, it can be to the left, to the right. You can stop your current career and, I don't know, try to produce cheese. So it's about the decisions we make on how we spend our life and how we can actually finance our life. It doesn't have to be, I don't know, a suit, a tie and a higher salary every single year. It is your own decision. But in order to make that decision, you need to dare to dream. You need to be able to think about what you actually want, to be honest to yourself and to find out what you can do. So I think this is one of my most important goals as a careers consultant to help in that case. And yeah, I don't want anyone to have that feeling that I had when I went into this room. It was a feeling of doom, honestly speaking. And at the same time, the other thing that I learned uh, that how that influenced my career is communication skills. So how can you communicate with people? It's little tricks as well on the phone. It is how your body posture influences your voice. So there are so many things I learned during those couple of months that I wouldn't miss them for the world. And that's another thing. You have so many different stations in your life. You try out so many different things and you take something from all of them. So being aware of what it is that you take from these different experiences and that you bring with you and you carry with you is something extremely valuable. But sometimes it needs someone to help you sharpen your view on what kind of skills you bring because there's so many out there and you automatically gain so many through different stations, whether it's student initiatives, whether it's part-time jobs, student jobs, even the jobs you hate. If you hate them and you stick with them for a while, it shows so much determination and pulling through something like that. So students who finance their studies on their own through night shifts and everything, how much strength can you have and how much determination, how much do you want to study in order to do that? So it's my highest respect for that. But sometimes they're not able to see that themselves and then it needs someone to, yeah, as I said, to sharpen their view on the skills they actually bring. What is it what I could do as a student doing my studies to avoid this situation? To don't get into this position, to have this feeling of doom. For example, if you finish your studies and you don't find a job or you find a job and you know that it's not what you actually studied for, like the call center story. I think knowledge is the most important thing. And it has to do with knowledge about the job market. But most of all, it has to do with knowledge about myself. I need to find out where my strengths are, where my passions are, what kind of goals I want to work for. It sounds tacky, but a lot of the students that I speak to, they do want to make a change in the world. And that may sound huge, but I, I always think that it doesn't have to be huge. I can empower people by giving them a different haircut, for example. And by empowering people, I will also make a change in the world. So it's about what kind of things do I want to contribute to? And finding out what my strengths are and where my values are and what the things are that I need to combine in my position to be someone who's happy or who can develop into the person I want to be, I need to collect information. And I collect information throughout my studies. It's about finding out which subjects I like, and that should be teacher unrelated. So what kind of subjects do I like? What kind of topics do I try to integrate into my papers, for example? So let's say I'm studying political sciences and I'm really interested in a geographical area and I've written, I don't know, all of my papers on certain topics with regards to Southeast Asia, or I'm trying to fit a certain topic into every regional context or something. So it's about finding out what you really like, what you're interested in, but it's also about finding out what kind of skills you have and what you're good at. 
And you can have a look at things like, when do my friends actually ask me for help? When do they ask me for advice? In which fields do they ask me for advice? You can try yourself out. I mean, we've got so many countless initiatives at the university. And over the last two years, it has become increasingly difficult to keep them alive. So we actually need students to join them. And it may be the Fair Trade Initiative, for example, or it may be UNICEF. Or it may be a part of ASTA, the FSRs. We have so many active students groups. And with all of these groups, you can implement your knowledge. You can be part of a bigger thing. And you can find out what you really like. So do you really like event organization? Are you also good at event organization? Can you do it? Is it that you like the events themselves? Or is it really thinking through what kind of single steps do I need? Do I like to take the people with me? Or am I rather the person who would love to prepare a paper for Catcher on the Rhine, but I'd like to do it on my own rather than sharing it with other people. So going through life, basically through student life, and that includes all of the jobs that we have as well while we are students, and collecting information about ourselves, about what we like, what we want to share with people, how we communicate, whether we like being close to people or whether we need certain areas that are responsibility of our own and not of others. So all of these types of information, they will then help you be knowledgeable when you leave the university. And they will help you find out where you want to go. You first need to know where you are to then find out where you want to go. And that's both of those things you need before you can find out which route to take, whether it's another master's degree, whether it's the entry to a specific job, whether you want to do another internship. There are so many opportunities out there, but without knowing where you are, you cannot set the course for the rest. And I think that's what every single student can do. Imagine yourself having a suitcase and you just pack all of the experience and the skills And the things you like in there and carry them with you. Because if you start thinking about that when you finish your studies, you're going to have to do that under pressure very often. And that is not a good outset. So collecting the information on the way will make it a lot easier. And explore. I mean, we've got so many, as I said, we've got like a world full of initiatives, internships. There's so many opportunities out there where you can try yourself out. So explore your skills. This is what every student can do. And uh, I would use that. I've done it during my studies. I love trying out all of these different things. I think a lot of students run into trouble because they study a certain thing. Maybe they uh, write a certain thesis in the end and they go into the job market and have problems finding something that really fits to what they've done before. Mostly, I think you explained it quite well. It's not only about what you study. It's you should be more open-minded to other skills you might have that you develop during your studies besides your topics. But still, I think a lot of students struggle when they're finished that they figure out, oh, wait a minute, nobody needs my skill set or what I studied or my thesis, nobody cares about it. It's always about the qualifications we gather on the side. It's also about our subjects, but there is no clear sort of profession at the end of these studies. And... If you're looking for that, if you Google jobs for international relations, for example, you probably won't get that far. However, and that's why I said you need information about yourself. If you know where you want to go, you can use totally different searches. You can find out what kind of organization, let's say fair trade. I'm working for the fair trade initiative and folks, we also need people for the fair trade initiative, just as a hint. And let's say you're interested in the area of fair trade and that holds true for quite a few of our students in different degrees. 
So rather than looking for jobs for international relations or jobs for tourism, go for organizations that work with fair trade, that have a connection to that. There are a lot of subjects that you study that do not have a set profession afterwards. And I think for once, it's about transferable skills. So even though it may be, I don't know, archaeology or the history of Italian churches, you will still have learned certain things that you can apply in other fields. That might be working with original sources. It might be literature research. It might be analyzing certain things, whether it's historical or political. These skills, there are something you can use in different contexts. So I think it is extremely important to find out what your transferable skills are, which skills you have learned that you can implement somewhere else. You know, I studied German languages, so yeah, let's face it, there's not going to be that many job advertisements out there that look specifically for someone with this degree. And there won't be too many job advertisements out there that look for someone who has specifically studied political sciences on a bachelor's level, international relations. But you still bring a lot of things to the table. And finding out what these things are is really important. And you could, for example, have a look at Zing or LinkedIn, find out what other people have done with your degree before. There is such a variety of different positions and people end up in, yeah, in things they have maybe have not studied, but they like. And it is related because it's not maybe the same topic, but it's the skills they use that count for them. And at the same time, it also tells you that your degree itself is not the only thing that qualifies you for a position usually, but it is something where you have to gain additional skills. And that can be, as I said, through experience. It's also student jobs. It's your internships. So all of these things. But you can also take additional courses. There are so many options out there for free or paid to take software courses, for example, to take courses in, I don't know, online marketing was my last example. So you qualify yourself on the side, but in order to choose that, you need to find out where you want to go. Because there's no point in learning, I don't know, SAP if you then want to become a Facebook community manager. And it, Facebook might disappear like MySpace and then you yeah. stand there. But <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, yeah. It could also happen, yeah. I think like the big issue with this topic is there isn't like a recipe for success and everyone searching that I, still i don't know what you actually can do except try to figure out what you're good at what you like to do but to resolve this issue to be employed for someone that you really don't like or the position you really don't like i don't know if there really is a recipe networking is definitely another recipe but i The thing is, there can't be one recipe, really. There can only be a certain amount of good advice, which is, you know, try to find out about yourself, get information on yourself, get information about the job market. Try to be honest to yourself when it comes to who are you, what do you want to work for, what do you want to contribute to. But also try to be honest to yourself about what is actually success, because there can't be one recipe for success. It's the same as with careers. Some people do want a job. And they want to finance, for example, their families. And they really don't care what they do. As long as it pays well, they're happily occupied with any task from morning to evening. They're fine with that. And there are other people who will be destroyed by working for an employer that they really don't like to work for and contributing to something that cannot stand behind. So the next person will say, success for me is if I can use my free time to do something 
whether it's being creative or to contribute to something good. So I've met people who actually quit their well-paid jobs and they just have really very small jobs. They don't pay a lot just because they want to contribute to ecological projects in their free time. And for them, that's success because they've managed that. And then there's other people who prefer the model of linear career. So they do want to get, I don't know, into one of these well-known, let's say, one of the big four, and they want to raise in the ranks. They want to become a partner of a consultancy. So there are so many different models of career and success that I think it's difficult to give one recipe. But I think for all of them, you need to look at yourself and gather information on yourself, gather information of where you want to go, be open, don't follow set paths just because they're out there. For you, it might just not be the right one. And I think networking is also a very good aspect. Can you go into networking a little bit? I would say that those students being busy, for example, in student initiatives, they've already built a network. If you work, you have contacts. And all of those people, they are your network, basically. They could also be your neighbors. They're your parents' friends. You have a huge network. And for international students, they have to do more work to build a network within this country, obviously. But we all have certain networks. Some people are better at it. Some people are not as good because they don't like to communicate as much. But we do have a network. And it can come through, I don't know, sports, events, clubs, anything. It doesn't have to be your family or anything. So the contacts you have, they are a network. And I would say networking also means that you keep in touch with them. But there are other ways of keeping in touch. And um, I would always recommend, for example, the business networks. It's not for everyone. So let's say you like the world of teaching or kindergartening, for example. There are not that many people out there in the business networks. But NGOs, initiatives, businesses, a lot of them are very active on either Zing or LinkedIn or both. You've worked with them before. And you shouted out there that you're now currently about to leave university and you're looking for an entry position that can also help a lot because all of these contacts that worked with you previously, they know about the quality of your work. So it should mean a lot if you've done a good job, <laughs> obviously. But so, yeah, net I think networking is a key to these things as well. So in my studies, I have a general idea in what kind of field I want to go after my studies. And then in advance, look at what they actually want from me in the application, in a job offer. They give, yeah, we, you need this and this language skills. I don't know. This software skills. Would it would have been a good idea to look at that before I finished my degree? Absolutely. Because I think most people don't do that. A lot of students do when they look for internships. They're already in contact with certain requirements. But that's what I'm, that's actually what I meant, among other things, about get information, you need to be informed. It's about information about the job market as well and the requirements that may be out there. So if you're studying economics and finance and you think data science is a field that might be interesting for you, what kind of software do they need? What kind of programming skills might they need? And can you do that with an extra certification during the semester break to set yourself up so that the transition is a lot easier? And yeah, I think that's quite important. It's not about, and I'm not saying mold yourself entirely to the job market and just be what they need. I'm not saying that. So it's not about, I don't know, becoming putty in the hands of the job market. That's not the case. But it's about finding out what you want to do and then try to equip yourself for that. Because, I mean, if I do want to, I don't know, organize events, but I realize that even throughout studies, I'm not good at email communication. 
and I, I don't know, I can't handle all the emails I have. Well, then imagine yourself in the situation of being an event organizer. And there may be 70 bands involved in that one event that you organize. How many emails do you think you're getting? So it's about setting yourself up now to actually be able to manage your email account and find out what are good regulations for me? How can I answer them? Are there any tools of making life easier? Learn them. You can do that during your studies. You can do that on the side. There are YouTube videos. There are so many different tutorials online. So yeah, it's about exactly that. What skills do I need to do what I want to do? And not in the sense of I need to do everything right so that they will hire me, but rather in the sense of, wow, this really helped me being good at what I want to do. And I think it's easier to get these skills doing your studies than afterwards. because Hell now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because now you, at least as a student, there maybe that's something you can talk about, what the possibilities are while you're a student in contrast to when you're not a student anymore. If you're a student, you've got access to a whole world of things and you usually have a student discount as well. So to give but one example, I'm always forwarding my students the courses of ERP for students. There are SIP courses online for students. They're non-profit. Now, that doesn't mean they're free. They still cost a lot of money, but it's non-profit. So they don't gain anything from it, which in turn means if you're out there, you will have access to profit courses and they will add a whole lot of more money. So it'll cost a lot more. So you have great access to these things. You can actually go for free into lectures that are relevant to the field you want to go to. There are so many options you have at this university or as a student in the city where you live in that will not come back again later that easily. On the other side, when you're done, you can sometimes, under certain conditions, get support from the government to take additional courses. But that doesn't apply to everyone. But yeah, so there are other options out there when you're done with your studies and you haven't found a job yet. However, I would make use of the chances right now. Definitely. So many good options. But generally speaking, I would say that, for example, you want to stay in this country if you're not a German anyway and you want to stay in this country and you lack the language skills. It may be worth taking a semester of block courses and actually learning the language. It is a lot easier than doing that And it costs more money after your studies. So being enrolled as a student gives you a lot of opportunities, both in like generally physical opportunities as well as financial opportunities, as moving that to after your studies. And I think that the majority, if not all employers, don't really care if you took a semester longer. Hardly anyone cares if you spend that semester and it is well spent if you're part of the ASTA, if you're taking additional courses, if you're learning the language. So all of these are things. Time is not of as much of essence as the skills that you bring. And it's, as I said, everything is easier if you're not under pressure. If you're under pressure and you need to find a job and you need to finance yourself, you just don't have that many options anymore. You need a full-time job to, I don't know, pack parcels to earn your money. Well, how do you want to learn language at the side? We already have a full-time job to finance yourself. Yeah. To answer your question, very simply put, yes, as a student, it is so much easier in many ways. Lesson number two, have a voice. Actually, I didn't want to come to Kleve because it was too tiny for me. So first I wanted to study law and then I thought it could be too boring or too much. I was always interested in 
European studies and just learning languages, learning about new cultures. And then my study course was only offered in three German cities, and I didn't want to study abroad completely. In Kleve, it was only taught in English. I decided to come here instead of taking one of the other opportunities because otherwise I would have done the study course in German. And as I'm dealing with international relations, it makes more sense to study it in English as well. I made my goal to be able to work in the foreign ministry. And with starting international relations, I still have a broad knowledge about economics, politics, but also law. And funny enough, law modules are still my favorite. Maybe I still end up in the law section of international relations. So we wanted to meet someone from one of the university organizations that Imke Hans mentioned. So in last month's episode, we already met Charlotte Winkler, who was the ASTA chair at the time of the recording. And we caught up with her again to find out more about ASTA and what it is actually like to work in such an organization. The first time I heard about the ASTA was in my freshest week, actually, a chit-chatting event on campus. And that made me connect with my first real friends here. And to know what the ASA actually does, I think that was when I got into the position of the chair. Like Speaking of what it all comprises, I knew basics, but I didn't know how much help we can give the students. I knew that the ASA advocates the students' interests and that they do the events for finding friends, international or intercultural parties or whatever. But I didn't know how much they can help when you're in need, despite loneliness. So that was sad, too, because I feel like I should know more about my university or know more about my rights. And it's speaking in the perspective of the ESSA chair, it's especially sad because obviously we have all those mechanisms to help students, but they're not used because students don't know about them. Same goes for the student service and welcome center. So yeah, we're actually working on making our offers more public. And I think few people don't know that it's also a political position. The ESSA chair that you were involved with, so your position is, you are voted into this position, right? Basically, I would describe myself as the student's advocate not only towards the university, but also to the towns. And sometimes that can be super challenging because obviously the town has different interests than students, right? So if you want to, let's say, make more offers, like cultural offers for students who do not necessarily speak German in a German town, which wants to have the most visitors in one of their events, it's hard to actually go for convince them to to offer more english speaking events it's just one one example but it has a lot to do with mediating as well sometimes students don't understand decisions the university made and it's just our task to explain it to them the best way possible and Even the war in Ukraine affects us because our university decided to help students of the Ukraine or even basically everything politics related from outside of the university can affect the students within the university and just bringing that 
kind of together and be ready for changes is important, especially the international department. They work so much with the Ausländerbehörde and visas and just trying to help people that they can stay here. And I think that's also a political act, I'd say. So yeah, it has a lot to do with just trying to communicate with both sides and bringing them together. And that's basically what I want to do in the future when I'm going to the foreign ministry. So it helped me a lot to just know about the soft and hard scales too. And this is like one place where you really have all the cultural issues and all the different backgrounds because people from all over the world are studying here. Which is pretty nice. That's quite special. So I guess a lot of your work has to do to explain not only the good side of uh, German culture, but also like the bad side, German bureaucracy, for example. Do you ever had so much experience with German bureaucracy before you had to explain it to foreign students? Not at all. I actually learned a lot about German bureaucracy while having to deal with specific cases. I remember I've had a case with somebody from Russia and she accidentally made a contract with two health insurances, which is illegal in Germany. So that was interesting to deal with the health insurances and find out where she can stay now and who has to back down because obviously she can't be made responsible for that mistake, but rather the health insurances that allowed her to sign the second contract at least. So that was interesting. But also I've never really thought about choosing one because I've always been in the health insurance of my parents, for example, or opening a new bank account, applying for a job. There are a lot of other standards we learn in school about applying for a job than most internationals have. So it's also nice that we have the student advisory service or specifically the career service, at least in the Faculty of Society and Economics, that helps you with how to properly write an application to find a job. And that's something I, I took for granted as a German citizen, but I never really thought about it beforehand. What actually can you do, not only money-wise, but what is like the main things the ESTA is offering? I know that's a lot, but maybe the most important things in your opinion. I think one message I would like to put out there, because we love to chit-chat as well, and we love to give you tips regarding any problem I've already mentioned, or for your exam, if you have issues, if you have failed and you're just very desperate and sad, then we're there too, and we help you to find out whether you can have another try after you, you failed more than once, or... I don't know, like really anything. And we can also explain to you if you, for example, would like to get engaged in uni politics, we can help you and tell you how you can do it on a low, low level if it's too intimidating for you on a higher level. I remember when I was a student, I wasn't a student here, but that they were always de quite desperate to get students to vote. Oh, yeah. There's also an issue here. It's also an issue here. Why is it important to vote? It's important to vote because right now, specifically at this University of Applied Sciences, there are only little people having a lot of power about what the university spends money on, what we do, what we try to advocate. So if you vote 
and we have a more diverse teams of, let's say, student parliament and FSRs, ASTA, all the commissions and that decide upon money and evaluation of the university, we have broader ideas about what the whole student body wants and not only, let's say, the three people that are engaged in student politics, really. Because I know one of my friends, she's engaged in at least two commissions, the Senate and the ASTA and the FSR. So she has a lot of important positions. And basically, if she wanted to, she could just use it for her own interests, really. And that's sad because she just took upon those positions because nobody else wanted to fill them. So, yeah, I think that needs to change. That's why we need votes. And then again, at least I think it's going to improve again when we are more visible and we seem less intimidating when people actually start talking to us instead of just knowing the name ASTA and student parliament, but see that there are actually people behind it that are also unknowing students who sometimes don't know what they do and just try. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But that they see it's not just a job or a responsibility, but there's also fun behind it, a new community, and that you do it for fun in the first place. And because you like to change something and you can actually change something. And I think if you don't know about it, you don't see the little changes we make but just rather big changes that are like that take long long time and maybe even like multiple terms so it might seem unsatisfying to the outside but if you're in it it's just you still see you can do much especially because our university is so young but that is a big advantage for us and that's also mirrored by the presidency or any person that works for the university is that they're open to new ideas and that they really want to not really want to make a change that's the students but are open to to input to help making that change because sometimes they just don't know what we want and that's why you should vote so we can tell them what we want what do you think is the biggest misconception people have when they want to be involved with dasta i think it's probably the thought that they're not qualified enough, that they think it's intimidating because they don't know how university politics run. But that's why you should join in one of those bodies, right, to learn how it's run and to actually have a voice. I think that's just having little knowledge about how we can help and how to reach us because I feel like a lot of students feel overwhelmed by the amount of aid our university offers, such as Welcome Center, Student Advisory Service, us, the FSRs, which are the student bodies from the faculties. So I think they don't really know where to go to with their specific problem. And I've experienced that many students come to us and are already frustrated because they've went to at least two other institutions, and, and they just handed them over. At least that's how they felt like. So what we try to do right now is also to sort the offers of help so students know directly where to go to best and don't feel like they have to contact at least three people before they can actually get help because most of the time when they need help, it's urgent. So they don't have the time to 
go to three different places and then explain their case over and over again if they're already having the courage to explain it at least once. So I think that's the main issue right now. Especially, let's say, our loan, our loans we hand out for students that are in need of money, whether they just lost their job, they, they don't have the family support or anything really. And it's qualified for if you need it for either paying your health insurance, your semester contribution, so that you're still able to actually study and are not blocked for a semester, and then for rent. So your basic needs, you can apply for when you need one of those three things. It actually goes through a long process, which is it goes through the social committee of the student parliament and the ASA social department to decide whether you're suitable. I mean, you have to show your bank transfers from the last three months so we know whether you have a second account maybe and try to fool us because we really don't want to pay out students and then that we don't have enough money for students that actually needed it and then you have to repay us within the length of your studies the form you can find on our homepage there or you can just go into our office either in Cleveland little red building or in Cali which is in building two so yeah you can just come up and ask and then we run through through the process with you so yeah there are opportunities for you to just get a little bit of relief regarding financial issues. And you should come probably before you are really in financial troubles or in dire straits, right? You should come before you're really desperate because there is a process behind it. And obviously they don't meet every day, but rather every two weeks. So yeah, it should be really not on the last call that you're asking for help because otherwise we would love to help you, but in that short period of time, we might not be able to. And if you're already in your last semester and we know that you're going to finish due to our financial order, we're also not able to give money to you because it's unrealistic that you're paying us back within your study time at the University of Applied Sciences. Lesson number three, as close as you can get to your studies. Jordan, thanks so much for the tour. Um, the first question is what you actually have to do after we finish this interview. What do I have to do? I will either ask somebody what, if they have anything they, I, they want me to do, or I'll go around the garden and I'll check my own. I, over there, while we were talking, I saw some pathway being overgrown, so I'll probably take care of that. And then watering, we don't have to case because it's been raining the last two days but it's a lot of weeding and a lot of cutting down branches plants <laughs> so yeah. not not necessarily the pleasant part of working in a garden I think you do this job not for the financial reward obviously you do to some extent that is the base motivation for most people that would consider working here because I only did 20 hours in a month so that comes out at minimum wage about 200 euros plus minus I don't know so I think what, what the benefits you get from this job working here are 
besides a, a base income, and 200 euros is certainly a lot of money for students, right? The benefits you get from this job is that you are as close as you can get to your studies. If you really enjoy agronomy, right, then you are as close as it gets here in this greenhouse. So basically, you get the benefits here. You're close to the professor. You're close to a lot of hands-on knowledge, a lot of experience, especially from Franz Josef Kunig and Professor Dr. Gebauer. I would not recommend to do this job for the money itself. No, I would not recommend that. So I will start working October 1st and in sales, selling solar panels. Oh, really? Yeah. So for private rooftops, it's like a gold rush right now. But I'll concentrate on doing it part-time. So I will. it's a, a great lecture ahead of me, I think, of learning about time management, of writing good grades, and being successful at your job on the side. It comes down to time management, right? And I see a lot of students around here that think they don't have any time left, right? They mostly go to their classes, and then maybe if they feel a little adventurous, they will do here and there a little hour of studying during the semester, and they think, wow, what have I done? But And then they sit on their couch in the dorms for the rest of the day. You see it a lot. A lot of people are here in Kaleva are very comfortable, which is okay, we're students. But I know that for students with greater ambitions that come here to Kaleva, this town is very nice, because if you would study in Hamburg, you would have the ability to go partying 24-7, literally 24-7. That opportunity is not present in Kaleva, which I appreciate, because you simply have to concentrate on your studies or at least something productive and that is very nice about this town and this city so to any future students that are listening I would like to encourage them to come to this town with a an open mind and give this town a real chance because I see it a lot people come to Germany with these insanely high expectations that we all live in full-bodied glass skyscrapers and we all drive electric flying cars and everything is on time and we have rules and the rules are met on the dot. That is not the case in Germany. That is, You will not find that in the university, working with people from the university. You will not find that working with German authorities. You will find that a lot of Germans, they least try to give their best, but at the end of the day, they're also just humans, right? And so a lot of people may be a little bit more set back on student issues, but I think a lot of the Germans are also very much engaged in helping international students of finding a new second home in Germany. So yeah, it's very important to come here with an open mind, give this town and the surrounding area a genuine chance to become a second home. Otherwise, I see a lot of people that are very unhappy here. You see it for sure. Because they complain that it rains a lot and it's cold. But I guess you just have to force yourself in the first spring 
to not wear your winter jacket as an international student because Germans don't do that either. <laughs> that is the very funny part, though. That a lot, you know what I mean. It's always very nice. But yeah, but it's amazing to study here. A lot of so many different dishes you get to eat from your friends, right, all around the world. So many different culture, cultural experiences that you share. Very amazing. One question. You said that you will have a different job. How in general, from your perspective or of the perspective of your friends, how easy or hard is it to find a job doing your studies? That very much depends on your ability to speak German. If you can speak German, you will not have any issues whatsoever to find a job. So we're talking about a job, right? If you speak German, I promise you, you will find a job. If not, then you have not been looking well enough. Yeah. Like some Edeka or Trinkwood or somebody will always need some 450 euro worker. Always. Although some of those positions also require German. So I would definitely recommend learning German. But I think that's already a given. If you move to a country to go to school basically free, right, of, because the government of that country, the people of that country are paying for your education indirectly, then I think it's just already a thing out of respect to at least attempt to try to learn the language of that country. And I think that if you know the language of German, Germans will be a lot more friendly. A lot. They can be more friendly because you understand each other. Not every German, especially 50 years old and older, does. not everyone speaks English. If you do not speak German, then it might be a little harder. I, I, I said to myself, what do you mean there is no free lunch? And then as I studied more and more economics, I realized, yes, this, there is no free lunch for sure. Do you like this science field so much because at least you try to have a way to document the reality of things? To understand the reality of things, yes. The economies that we have built up from right from the scratch. At home, we get a certain income and we divide that into different expenditures, into a savings, into a secret account, whatever, right? That's already economics. So we have economics in our own houses at that, in that sense. And then how that is, how we save more to maybe make an investment and that investment has a return and that return is what you can use to buy a new TV or whatever. All of this on a micro level is already economics. And then when you move this further, it's really interesting to see that a factory closes in Clever. I have nothing to do with Clever, but because that factory closes, 5,000 people lose their jobs in the area. And what do these 5,000 people do? They enter the job market again, which means me, who had nothing to do with this job, might find it hard to find a job now. These little links that exist in our everyday life, from going to the bakery to coming to university, all of this is easily understandable because of economics, because there is some part of economics being played here and there over constantly. So it's just easy to understand these things. And the more you understand, the less angry you are, to be honest. Thank you for listening to the How to Hochschule podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and feel free to follow us and recommend us to your friends. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or just want to let us know how you liked the episode, please don't hesitate. 
take courage and do reach out to us at podcast at hsrw.eu. We are always looking for ways to improve and we appreciate your feedback. Also, be sure to check out our show notes for links and more information on today's topics and guests. Next time on the How to Hochschule podcast. I'm the, I'm the host now, no longer just a yeah. co-host, I guess. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Tune in next time as our student correspondent Harry is back with his very own episode. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Stefan Hanf. This is the How to Hochschule podcast. We are looking forward to have you back next time. Tschüss.